say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you this morning for the incorruptible seed of your word. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God increasing so that everyone here will be fed spiritually for their lives. I pray for each marriage that is represented in this room and even those who are listening throughout the world. And Lord, I know it is your will for marriages to prosper. I know it is your will for marriages to not just be in love, but to stay in love. And so I ask you that you will use me as an oracle of God even now. And I thank you that every heart, every mind, and every soul will be subject to what they hear from your word. And we give you thanks and praise in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders occurring in each one of our relationships. In Jesus' name, and if you believe that prayer, say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. There was a guy named Ralph who had an article that he read that said that wives who work full-time and do their own housework are too tired to have sex. So his wife often complained about that and that she was always tired when he wanted to have some, so he decided to test the theory. So the next night when his wife came home, she found that all the homework for the children had been done, the children had been bathed, A load of laundry was in the washer and another one was in the dryer. Dinner was on the stove and the table was set and she was excited. The next day she went to the office excited to tell her friends what happened. She said, we had a great dinner. Ralph even cleaned up the kitchen after we finished eating. He helped the kids do their homework. He folded all the laundry. He put it away and we really enjoyed the evening. And they said, but what about later? What happened? She said, oh, he was too tired. (laughs) We've started a new series entitled Survivor. Everybody's a survivor. And this series has a twofold purpose. It is to minister specifically to our married couples to address things in a marriage that would make it strong and healthy. And then the second purpose of this series is to minister to our singles so that they know how to live a successful life as well as prepare for any future marital relationships if they desire. So if you're visiting us for the first time, we're using the first four Sundays in September to address these specific needs for these two groups. Now, that means that our 9 o'clock service, which you are currently at, 
is designed to minister to our married couples, and then our 11 o'clock service is going to be for our singles. And so if you're taking notes, today's message title for our married couples is Start Having Sex. Y'all are already quiet. And the goal of today's message is to discover the biblical purpose for sex, stress the importance of prioritizing sex, and finally provide tips that will help each couple practice sex on a regular basis. Now, let me just give you some rules like I did up front. Number one, remember that each message that you hear, including today, need to be heard for only you. Amen. Amen. In other words, ask yourself the question, am I actively and presently doing what pastor is teaching? That's number one. Number two, no elbowing, no hitting, no striking allowed in service. Number three, no arguing or verbally embarrassing your spouse. And then number four, try your best to control your facial expressions and attitude because we won't know whose toes I'm stepping on if you don't react to it. Now, let me also just give you uh, another pre preliminary rule here. Uh, I've never taught this as one lesson before. And the only reason I'm addressing this to this group is because all the people that I meet with, I've been seeing this problem in their relationship. Now, if the world is going to sing about it, if Beyonce going to dance about it, if the news is going to report about it, and then sinners is going to do it, we might as well talk about it. Amen. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And then I want you to find a book that you have probably never read in your life. And it is the book of the Songs of Solomon, chapter 7. Y'all probably going, I didn't even know that was a Bible in a book in the Bible. So that was Genesis 1, 27, and then Songs of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1. I believe that sex is one of the most important areas of a marital relationship. However, it is probably... I already got an amen already. However, it is probably the least areas discussed and one of the few areas that's prioritized. Therefore, it's not only affecting the relationship, but it's also not being practiced on a consistent basis. And I'm not in any way saying that every married couple who's here is not engaging intimately on a regular basis. But through hundreds and maybe possibly thousands of hours of counseling couples, sex along with money and communication are the three top frustrations and the most reasons for divorces in most marital cases. Amen. Now, let me just throw this at you. Statistics show that married men and women on the average uh, have sex with their spouse 58 times a year. That's a little more than once a week. That's according to uh, data collected by the General so uh, Social Survey. So if you want to look up my information, you can. Uh, there are wide variation, though. Married people under 30 have sex about 111 times a year. That's a little over three times a week. 
So if you're under 30, we understand. And it's estimated that about 15% of married couples have not had sex with their spouse in the last six months to a year. In fact, there was a question recently asked in a survey, and here, here was the question. Are couples in sexless marriages less happy than couples who have sex? And here was the answer. Generally, yes. Couples who have sex are generally happier than those who don't. And it says, there is a feedback relationship in most couples between happiness and having sex. Happy couples have more sex. And the more sex a couple has, the happier they report being. But in the mind, watch this now, but, but keep in mind now that sex is only one part of intimacy. Okay, so don't, and, and I know that some of you all may have encountered problems. You know, we have all kind of issues in today's society. You know, you have endometriosis, if I said that right, and you have men with, uh, 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 E.D., what do they call it? That, right. But, but honestly, honestly, there's a medical remedy for every problem you might have today. And you know what's real interesting? Now I'm about to step on some toes. What's really interesting is that you had that condition before you married, but you still managed to make it work. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me right now. In 1993, there was a study done that found that people in sexless marriages were more likely to have considered divorce than those who were sexually active. There is no ideal level of sexual activity, but here's the thing. Here's the study. The study just kind of said people who have sex that are married are happy, and people who don't are less happy. So, you know, you might want to put a smile on your face. So we won't even know. Now, here's an observation. If sex is not very important in a relationship, why is it that every marital affair includes sex? That's just something to think about. So I have three points for you this morning. Very simple points. Here's the first one. The purpose of sex. Now, I know every time I say sex, some of y'all are cringing right now. Because, you know, you, you, you didn't grow up being taught something like this. But I'm coming straight out of the Bible. And uh, if sex was one of the main things that really ruined a lot of men of God's lives in the Bible, then we need to be talking about it. Our kids are talking about it. All right, so here's the first one. The purpose of sex. Now, I'm going to give you... The first one is procreation. Everybody say procreation. Now in Genesis chapter 1, look in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and do what? Multiply. And then replenish the earth. My question to you is, how would they be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth? They have to have some type of sexual activity. Can I hear an amen? amen. What, there were no sperm banks back then. They had to do it, okay? Genesis chapter 9. Go to Genesis 9. Genesis 9. It says here in verse uh, 
19. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So one of the purposes of sex is procreation. Everybody say procreation. All right. We all know that because how many of us in the room have kids? All right. So we know that's one of the purposes. Here's the second purpose of sex that some of you all may not have known. And that is for pleasure. Y'all are warming up just a little bit this morning. That's fine. Go to Songs of Solomon chapter 7. Songs of Solomon 7. God did not just uh, create sex for uh, procreation. He also designed it for us to have pleasure. In Songs of Solomon chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 1. And I just want you to listen to the description of Solomon. He was describing uh, one of his wives probably. It says in verse 1, How beautiful are your feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. The joints, watch this now, listen, listen to how he described this woman. The joints of your thighs are like jewels. The work of the hands of a cunning workman. Your navel is like a round goblet, which wants not liquor. He said, I can enjoy it without liquor being in there. He <laughs> He says, your belly is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two young rows that are twins. <laughs> he says, your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes are like fish pools of heshbon by the gate of whatever that word is. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. I mean, he was describing every part of this woman's body, wasn't he? He says, your head is like caramel, and the hair on your head is like purple. The king is held in the galleries. How fair and how pleasant you are, O oh love, for delights. Watch this. Your stature is like a, to a palm tree, and your breast to clusters of grapes. Now, let me ask you something. What do you, what do, you do with grapes? No, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. What, what do you do with grapes? Huh? Does that sound like pleasure so far? Let's keep reading real quick. And I said, I will, watch this, I will go up to the palm tree. And I will take hold of the bowls thereof. Now also thy breast shall be like clusters of the vine, and the smell of your robe, your nose is like apples, and the roof of your mouth like the best wine for my beloved. That means she had to brush her teeth, praise the Lord. <laughs> Causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak, I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Does that sound pleasurable? Yeah. Now, let me just give you one more. Go to Genesis 18, because you had... Uh, go back to Genesis. Go to Genesis 18. Let me just show you the word pleasure. Because, see, some of you all have stopped taking pleasure in doing something that God created you to have pleasure with. All right? In Genesis 18, look in verse 11. Genesis 18:11. It says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old. What were they? Oh, now I don't know when... A person is supposed to stop having sex as a couple. That's determined between you and your spouse. But I know right here, they were old. Abraham and Sarah were old. They were well stricken in age. 
And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she was unable to have children. Verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after because God had told her she was going to have a child. She says, after I'm waxed old, shall I have what class? What is it? She said, man, I tell you what, am I going to be able to have pleasure again? So here's the take-home statement that I want you to write down. If sex is not a priority, it will not be given seniority. I'm going to say that again. If sex is not a priority, it will not be given seniority. In other words, I'm saying anything that isn't prioritized is typically deemed unimportant and will always be neglected or suffer in some kind of way. Can somebody say amen? amen. Let me give you one more verse and then we'll go on to uh, the next thing. Uh, Proverbs 5.15 says, drink from your own well. Uh, and I'm reading out of the Living Bible. It says, uh, my son, be faithful and true to your wife. Why should you beget children from women off the street? Why share your children with those outside of your home? Be happy, yes, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Let her breast and tender embrace satisfy you. Let her love alone, everybody say alone. Alone fill you with delight. Why delight yourself with prostitutes embracing what isn't yours? Basically, he was saying, hey, allow your wife to, uh, to, to satisfy you. So we, what was the first purpose of sex? What was the first one? Procreation. Procreation. What was number two? Pleasure. Pleasure. Here's number three, prevention. Prevention. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Sex is also in a relationship, a marriage relationship, designed to prevent, watch this, outsiders from coming in. Look in verse 1 of chapter 7 in 1 Corinthians. It says, Now concerning the things where you wrote unto me, he says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. He says, Nevertheless... To avoid what? To avoid fornication. Let every man have his what? His own wife. Nobody else's wife. His own wife. And let every woman do what? Have her own husband. Watch this now. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. Watch this now. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband does not have power of his own body, but his wife. Defraud you not one another. Watch this. Except it be with consent for a time. Now notice he's saying, you know, you need to engage in sexual activity. He said, but there's one situation where there could be an exception. And he says, that's through fasting and prayer. But then he says, but you need to come together again so that Satan tempts you not. Now I'm going to read this in a different version because I think it sounded better. It says, now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, it is good, a good thing to have sexual relations. He said, it's a good thing to have sexual relations. Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality 
The husband seeking to, watch this now, satisfy the wife. And the wife should be seeking to satisfy the husband. So let me just insert here. Sex is not for you. It's for them. Now you may be saying, see, I got one stand up right there. I got two back in the back. The reason why you may be having problems having sex with your spouse is because it's all about you. Because, see, when I said that, some of y'all said, well, I don't really need none, Pastor. Well, but if your spouse needs some, you need to give them some. Boy, I wish I had a video showing this way. Let me keep reading. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to please his, or satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy the husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision. Marriage is a decision to serve the other person, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. So... If the Lord, not the Lord, if the Lord, the Lord told me to fast. Well, if your spouse does not want to fast with you and they still want sex, you need to give it to them because it says with permission. So you can, you can fast and still have sex. Boy, I tell you what, y'all a hard crowd this morning. Thank you for that amen. He says, and then come back together again because Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us lest we least expect it. Amen. So sex is also for prevention. Here's number four, and this is what I'm going to focus on the rest of the day. Sex provides physical oneness. Now, this is the one I need you to get. Because so many couples, I only have 10 minutes left. So many couples, they say, oh, I'm not in love no more. I love them, but I'm not in love. And then you get this one. You, uh, you know, we just growing apart. Well, I know why you're growing apart. Because you're not having sex. See, watch this now. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Here's the point again. Sex. Is designed to provide physical oneness. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look in verse 15. He says, Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of the harlot? God forbid. Watch this now. What? Know you not that he which is what class? Come on class. He which is joined to a harlot is what? One body. He's saying when a person has relations with a prostitute, they physically become one. Now listen, let me show you something real creative about, about this verse. The word join there is the same word cleave. So when Jesus said a man should leave his father and leave his mother and cleave to his wife, that word cleave is the same word here, joined. So if, watch this now, so joined or cleave has to be physical because the rest of the verse says they too shall be one flesh. 
So what it means to cleave, it means to be of one flesh. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, if being intimate with someone creates a oneness or unity of flesh, then not being intimate with that person causes disunity and separation. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If he said when we are joined and we cleave to each other that we become one flesh, if one flesh is produced by us being joined together, then us not being joined together produces, watch it, it separates us. So if you want to grow closer in your marital relationships, start having sex. Thank you for those three separated clouds. Now, I'm going to read Matthew 19 very quickly in verse 5. It says, this is Jesus. He said, and, it, and, and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave. That's that word. It means join. But when you define it, it means to glue or to cement. He said, when you cleave to your wife or you cleave to your husband, you are gluing and cementing yourself with them. And then he says, then the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but one. And then he goes on to say, well, therefore, God joined together. There's that word again. Let not man put asunder. Let me give you a different spin on this because we think putting asunder means divorce. But putting asunder is not just done through divorce. It's also done through the denial of sexual rights. Pull asunder means to pull apart. If you're pulling apart, you're not cleaved together. If you're cleaved together, that means you're one flesh. And if you're one flesh, you have to be doing it. So if you ain't doing it, see, we think that piece of paper made us one flesh. No, sir. That's why in any culture that you have right now, what consummated the marriage was not the paper. It was the act of intimacy. Sex is the physical glue in maintaining the marital you. I'm going to say that again. Sex is the physical glue in maintaining the marital you. So if sex is the physical glue to maintaining the marital you, then sex must be prioritized. That's my second point. Here's point number two. Remember I said sex had a purpose. Here's number two. You must prioritize sex. And see, normally you prioritize anything that is a need or a want. In other words, if you need to go to the doctor, you prioritize it, right? You set an appointment, you call, and you go. When we need to use the restroom, we prioritize time to go, don't we? When we need money, we prioritize the time to go to work. Amen. When we get hungry, we prioritize time to go get something to eat. Because when we prioritize, we are taking the time to do something that is a need or desire to us. So my question is, why don't we prioritize sex? Because, see, I know for a fact some of y'all haven't done it in six months. Oh, it's quiet. Praise the Lord. So prioritizing has to first start with a perspective. Everybody say perspective. 
after the wedding ceremony, in order to complete it, they seal it with, with consummating the marriage. The perspective is this. Watch this now. It should be that if this consummation is the first official way to begin the marriage, then it should remain a priority through the duration of the marriage. I'm going to say it again. If sex consummated the marriage and made it the beginning of this relationship, then continuing to do that is going to help through the duration of the relationship. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, go to 1 Corinthians 7. We're winding down here. 1 Corinthians 7 because I have a prop for you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 because uh, uh, I prayed about this and, uh, you know, it's, it's... Trust me, I'm going to have more hits on this message than any message on my podcast. Because very few people are willing to step out and talk about this with our purity. See, I can talk about this because I ain't slept with none of y'all. And nobody outside of the room either. Except for my wife. You know, we... We enjoy ourselves. And if she don't, I do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's one time I really enjoy being in the flesh. <laughs> Boy, y'all slow. Y'all slow. Y'all see that wave? It's like. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 33. It says, but he that is married cares for the things that are of the world. I'm just showing you now perspective on how to prioritize your marriage. Watch this now. But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world. That how he may please who? There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord. That she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world. How she may what? Please who? Her husband. So if sex, watch this now, pleases your spouse, then it must become a priority for you to provide. I'm going to say that again. If sex pleases your spouse, I mean, if y'all want to both agree to not have sex the rest of your relationship and it's mutual, that's fine. But if one person wants it, both people got to do it. Amen. Sex is about being selfless and not sexless. I'm going to say that again. Sex is about being selfless, not sexless. Sex should not just be about pleasing you and you getting yours. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Now, both people should benefit from the situation. Amen. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So when it comes to sex, you're supposed to be serving your spouse. And some of y'all, you can't serve fully clothed. Impossible. So there are three things you must do to prioritize having sex in your relationship. Number one, you got to plan it. 
You got to plan it. How do you plan something? By talking and discussing it with the person. What time, what day, what place. Especially if you ain't doing it right now. Then you have to protect that which you plan. Don't let kids, don't let your tired, I'm tired, don't let your headache, don't let a hard day at work, don't let nothing, nothing interfere with what you plan. You got to protect it. And then here's number three, which is my last point. You got to practice what you planned. So here's my last point. You must practice sex. You must practice sex. Now, I'm just going to read this. In James 1.22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like to a man looking at in, in a mirror, and he looks at himself, and goes his way, and forget what manner of man he is. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, watch this now, I'm going to show you, show you something you probably know. It says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, if I just obey God's word and have sex, even if I don't want to, he said a blessing will come out of it. Not a kid necessarily. He said, this man will be blessed in his doing. So even if you don't feel like it that day, what you need to do is lean on the word. He said, if I'm a doer of the word, that man will be blessed in his deed. Lord, I thank you that I'm, I may not feel like it, but a blessing is going to come out of this thing. See, because what you don't understand is when you do something that somebody else wants you to do that you don't want to do, then God will put it on somebody's heart that don't want to do for you. They'll make it do for you. And see, there are, you know, there are four kinds of sex. I'm closing because some of y'all sweating right now. There are four kinds of sex. You have regular sex. That's routine sex. You know, hopefully y'all are in a routine of having sex. But then you have romantic sex, you know. And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, romantic sex is not every time you have it. You know, where he calling you all during the day, how you doing, baby, and what you got on, and, you know, and then he bringing flowers home that day, and then he cooking, there's a candlelight dinner on the table. No, no, that's romantic sex. You don't do that every day. And if you'll stop reading those dumb romantic novels, you'll figure it out. That stuff on TV ain't real. Some of y'all are comparing your marriage relationship. Listen, they done cut, they done edited, they done done all that to that show, and you think that's how it's supposed to be. No. Everybody say romantic sex. Here's number three, recreational sex. That's when it's fun. That's when you do it in the car. That's when you do it at the lake and ain't nobody around. That's when you go to the restaurant that got a lock on the door in the bathroom and y'all both go in there. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Man, that's, that, that's the kind that's spontaneous. It's like, you want to do it? Come on, let's do it right now. I tell you what, that'll light your fire when you marry. Man, you got your wife trying to help you do it in Wendy's? Man, that's a good thing right there, boy. 
You get up to the line, what you want to eat, sir? I'm, I'm full. I'm full. <laughs> I'm full. <laughs> Everybody say recreational sex. Then the last one is relief sex. If you want to relieve your spouse from stress, give them some. Listen, ladies, one of the best ways to relieve stress from a man is to give him some. You say, well, I don't feel like, well, if you want to put up with that attitude and the stress he got, then don't do it. Let me tell you something. Can I tell y'all a secret? Now, this is for the women. I know this comes from a man from prison, but I've been pretty balanced. Have I been pretty balanced? Okay, let, let me be honest with you. Ladies, if you will give that man as much sex as he wants, you will want for nothing. You want a new car? Oh, ain't no problem. You want some new clothes? Ain't no problem. You want a new ring? Ain't no problem. You want to go shopping? Ain't no problem. But see, some of y'all looking like, I don't know about that. You did it when you were single. He left some money on the dresser. Okay. I'm just saying. So here's the last thing. Everybody should have gotten a prop. And it looks like this. Did you get this? Now, I don't want one per couple. I want everybody to have one that's married. Do you have one? If you don't have one, raise your hand. Because you need one. All right, ushers, if you would, help me out. Now... This is going to help jumpstart a lot of y'all. And then it's going to help some of you all who have problems with rejection. Because see, men don't like rejection when it comes to sex. And I'm pretty sure... Amen. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure women don't like rejection. Amen. One couple, the lady said, asked her husband, how long are you going to make me wait? So this sign says, honey, I would like to practice. Now let me define practice, have sex. So here are your instructions. Because if you don't do the word, the word won't bless you. When you want to have sex with your spouse, you're going to take this sign, put your name on it too so it don't get mixed up and won't get lost. See, the reason I gave two people one, because if the other one don't want to do it, they hide the sign to go, honey, I don't know what that sign is. You seen that sign? Oh, I ain't seen that sign. What's that sign? I don't know. You seen it? Oh, I ain't seen it. So you're going to take the sign and you're going to put it nicely on their side of the bed. Now, here are your instructions. If you're the person who gets the sign on your side of the bed, these are your only instructions. Drop it like it's hot. I don't want no, I'm tired. I don't want no, I got a headache. I don't want, I got to get up early in the morning. I don't want, I don't want to hear nothing. Take it off. Just take it off. 
take it off. Just take it off. And do it with a smile because if you don't, whatever way you sow it is how you're going to get it back. So you want to raise from your, your, your boss and they're not happy about doing it because you ain't happy about doing it. If you know what I mean. When you see the sign, just make up your mind. And let me tell you something. Going a week without sex makes one week. Did you get that? Going a week without sex, going seven days without sex makes one week. Not one W-E-E-K, but W-E-A-K. And I see a lot of weak people in this room right now. So you know what? I'm going to stop right here. I know it's kind of funny and stuff, but, but, but this is serious. Because the church has the same divorce rate as the world. You know, they used to talk about men cheating in relationships, but do you know the same percent of women cheat in relationships now just like men? How many received what I just taught this morning? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus.